It's the December 13th, 2019 episode of Weekly Signals Meltdown. Broadcasting from Studio A at KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. And as always, very quietly dripping out, Mollet, the fake news dog. Today we'll be talking about fish antibiotics, blue energy, yeah, that's right, Satanism, mermaids, and more. But first, have you ever played dress up with Mahler? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a couple times. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. fun, huh? I was Br'er Rabbit. You were we, Br'er we, we Rabbit? We played a little, yeah, we played Br'er, a Why Br'er Rabbit? Just because he likes to chase rabbits around, and I just wanted to give him some. Br'er something. Rabbit. Yeah. You had to be Br'er Rabbit. I just, we like to play. What about Peter Cottontail? From the Washington Post. Yes. Someone is gluing miniature cowboy hats on pigeons in Las Vegas. Oh, that seems mean. Well, they don't seem to mind. For several days, multicolored cowboy hat-wearing pigeons have been spotted strutting the strip. (laughs) No one knows who's dressing up the birds, although people have speculated the hats were fitted by the national finals rodeo. Oh. That's in town. So that was a marketing thing. Yeah, but the they don't final know. says, eh, not us. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I don't know how much really. Are you thinking to yourself, oh, yeah, there's a pigeon with a cowboy hat. I'm going to the Rodeo. That's the first thing that comes <laughs> yeah, to your mind, yeah. I mean, you're either going to it right. or you're not. Right. Huh? Pigeons on bronco bulls. That's an image, isn't it? Be? Well, I guess they probably do land on bulls. So, yeah, all yeah. the time. Yeah. Cornell University ornithologist Charles Walcott, who specializes in pigeons, said he thought... Those pigeon hats were cute. Did he? Yeah, that's what he said. They don't seem to mind. He's an ornithologist, Uh, so he should know. He would know. He also runs a haberdashery. (laughs) That sells really small hats. Yeah. By some weird coincidence. (laughs) He's the guy. (laughs) He's the guy, Mahler. Yeah, Mahler, we know it. Yeah. Ah. Wolcott, the ornithologist, said he's not worried about the pigeons who are acting pretty normally, is what he said. Yeah. And didn't seem to be distressed. The hats are certainly light enough, he said. That's good to know. They look like happy pigeons to me. It's hard to know, of course, because they will not talk to us. (laughs) (laughs) Are you sure he's north of... Yeah, I'm I'm sorry. (laughs) Are you sure he's uh, what he says he is? Yeah. He's got a haberdashery and he's not sure. He doesn't really have a hat. I made that part up. (laughs) Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh. He's an ornithologist. (laughs) He's at Cornell University. That's it. This decade's final full moon was at 12 minutes past midnight this morning. Yes. So the last long night full moon of the 20 teens. Mm-hmm. On 12-12 at 12 past 12. Wow. From The Guardian, new research has found that some Americans are probably taking fish antibiotics as a substitute for getting a prescription from their doctor. That seems weird. Fish antibiotics are readily available without prescription online and are way less expensive than buying without insurance off a U.S. pharmacist. While human consumption of fish antibiotics is likely low, any consumption by humans of antibiotics intended for animals is alarming, said the director of residency at the University of South Carolina College of Pharmacy. There's also anecdotal evidence of Americans taking veterinary medications. Dr. Farzon Navi, 
an emergency room doctor in New York City, said that. I know you're going to howl at me when I say this. Yeah, yeah. There was an episode of Seinfeld in which Kramer oh, had had sakes. a cold, and he went to the vet and pretended that it was for his dog, mm-hmm. and he took medication. Really? There was well, I'm just all I'm like saying. Is, I, I'm, it's kind of weird. I've never heard of this before, and now really? we're talking. Oh, you've never heard of people. T- I've never heard of people taking course antibiotics intended for animals. Not a lot of money do. That was though a joke twenty years ago in Seinfeld. They were always making fun of Things. homeless people. Oh, okay. Remember the rickshaw guys? Yeah. And Jerry would often refer to them as bums, by the way. Well, he was living in a different era. I had not heard of this until you brought this story up. Dr. Navi also said, One of my patients took fish antibiotics because she didn't have health insurance. She overdosed, ending up in the intensive care unit, and ended up more ill, having no insurance, with even a bigger bill than if she had just come in and dealt with it. Yeah instead of taking fish antibiotics. And we have been told for many, many years that antibiotics are the cure-all for almost everything. And I, and as a nation, we are in many ways overdosing on antibiotics to the point where they're becoming less effective. Well, you got to know what you're doing. Yes. Antibiotics are a good thing. Yes. They're like either over-prescribed or we have an appetite for taking as many antibiotics as we can lay our hands on. I would say it's over-prescribing. Yes. I don't think people have a craving for antibiotics. Oh, no, I don't think they have a craving when they have an infection or they feel ill. They think, oh, antibiotics will take care of that. They do? And I think there's a propensity. I think there are an equal number of people like you who think that I shouldn't take antibiotics at all. I am that way, yes. There's a happy medium there. They affect your body, but if you've got some sort of bacteria growing in your lungs... To to your point, I've actually waited too long to take antibiotics. Yeah, I know. Yeah. That's why I didn't want to bring that up, but you're the one that brought it up. Yeah. I didn't want to misinform the public because of your prejudice. Yes. Thank you. From Smithsonian Magazine, the world's oceans are being starved of oxygen. Yes, this is a truly horrifying story. Uh, There are 700 marine sites with low oxygen levels now, uh, up from just 45 in the 1960s. Researchers have long known about dead zones where oxygen concentrations are so low that most marine life dies or leaves. But according to the report, deoxygenation is moving across the planet's oceans now. The volume of anoxic waters, is what they're called, which are completely deprived of oxygen, has quadrupled. The report identifies two main causes of ocean deoxygenation. The first is climate change. Warmer waters hold less oxygen. That's pretty much the rule. Mm -hmm. The second is nutrient pollution, which seeps into the oceans in the form of fertilizer, sewage, and animal waste from big meat. From big meat. Yeah. It is true. The meat industry. Yes. Excess nutrients can stimulate an overgrowth of algae, which sucks oxygen out of the water as it decomposes. Species like tuna, marlin, and sharks are particularly susceptible because they are large and have high energy demands. When oxygen in their habitats is reduced, they're driven to shallow waters where they become vulnerable to overfishing. Right. Deoxygenation also causes certain species to thrive while others perish, throwing ocean ecosystems off balance. Jellyfish, for example, don't need much oxygen to survive, and their populations 
are booming. They're boomers. Jellyfish are. Yeah, I really hate boomers. <laughs> Which in turn disrupts human industries and harms fish. Jellyfish like to eat fish eggs. And by the way, jellyfish aren't fish. Just to let you know. Okay. They're related to anemone, coral, stuff it- like that. They are not fish. What's more, deoxygenation threatens to disrupt fundamental processes like the recycling of nitrogen and phosphorus, elements that are essential to life on Earth. Yeah, and anything... Thank you. Thank you so much, Mahler. And anything that affects the ocean in its ability to absorb heat is eventually going to come back and hurt us. Yes. If you find this news suffocating, may I recommend a donation to KUCI to breathe life into your soul? Just go to KUCI.org. Your generous donation is how we stay on air. Commercial free, free form, free speech radio, KUCI 88.9 FM. Nathan? Nathan? Point of order, chairman. Point of order, Chairman Chairman Callahan. Uh, I was recently speaking with one of our former public affairs directors at uh-huh. a, a couple of days ago at our meeting, uh-huh. and she said that she has us on the air at her work on Friday mornings. So I wanted to say hello to Stacy, but that also some of her coworkers who Stacey. have. Yeah, who have the opportunity to listen, as yeah. she does, to Weekly Signals. So we have to clean up our act? She said sometimes people throw things at their... Oh, I like that. What the, parts don't they like? Yes. Yeah, or do they like? <laughs> I, so we don't do them. So, yeah. so, so there are people who are sometimes animated in their uh-huh. reaction to, <laughs> to uh, Weekly Signals. Well, I would signals. hope so. Yeah, I would hope Isn't so. Isn't that too. a good positive thing? And thank you for that input and, yeah. and feedback, Stacey. Thank you, Stacey. Yeah, yeah, very much. Are you Canadian? A? Oh, you are. A? Are you part Canadian? You hoser, yeah. Back off, eh? <laughs> I didn't know that about you. You're Canadian. That's amazing. Are you atheist? A? That yeah. means yeah? No, yeah. I don't speak Canadian. Yeah. 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 The Church of Atheism was denied nonprofit charity status in Canada. I don't know why. <laughs> well, what? See, it's, what, always, wait, it's so, always discrimination yeah. against atheists. Yes. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Why the atheists? Yeah. Why are they picking on atheists? We want to start a church. Yeah. You guys have all the fun. Just because we don't believe in God, this is a reason? That's a set of beliefs. A it's a set of beliefs. Yeah. They believe that the existence of God is a fraud. I don't care. Yeah. So I'm, I guess that makes me agnostic. Can agnostics? Are they, can they can register have, as, a, yeah. as a religion? And, um that's wrong. I'm sorry to say that. That's just From Forbes magazine, a story by Wolfgang Europe. The 1,801 largest publicly traded oil, gas, and coal companies worldwide earned net profits worth $500 billion in 2013, and they received direct subsidies worth $700 billion. So let me get this straight. They earned $500 billion and they got subsidies of $700 billion. That's corporate socialism. That is you know? way corporate socialism. Feed the wealthy. Yes, absolutely right. And this $700 billion in subsidies is a moderate estimate. Yes. 
The highest estimates come from the International Monetary Fund. Wow, which they, is a very reputable organization yeah. in terms of finances. They estimate subsidies reach $4.7 trillion, and that's in 2015, and $5.2 trillion in 2017 because they included related health impacts and environmental costs like real economists do, instead of just saying, profits! Yes. These are the social costs that come along with fossil fuel and the development of... Many direct fossil fuel subsidies are hidden in tax codes. Canada's tax break for flow-through shares allows Canadian fossil fuel companies to pass 100% of their exploration expenses on to their investors who may deduct these from their income tax. So the subsidy incentivizes investments in fossil fuel exploration instead of the energy we need to avoid climate catastrophe. Solar, wind, fusion, and other energy initiatives that might spare the world from $69 trillion worth of climate crisis damage. Is, that's where we're headed. By the end of the century. Yeah. This article... That's I Canada did, there. But, yeah, it's yeah. Canada, but it, I'm sure, <laughs> as I'm sitting here, that those kinds, if not that specific one, those kinds of tax advantages are being passed along to yeah. American yeah, We're talking about Canada only because the author, uh, Wolf on Europe, is a Canadian. And he's taking a global view. Of Canadian flow-through shares add up to nearly $2.15 billion in annual subsidies for the fossil fuel industry. That's corporate socialism. That is corporate socialism. Subsidies for reducing emissions is another form of corporate socialism. Shell's Quest Carbon Capture and Storage Project in Edmonton, Alberta, is a good example of the $1.35 billion in capital costs. Okay, you got that $1.35 billion in capital costs. The Alberta government subsidized $745 million. So that's more than half. And the Canadian federal government shelled out $150 million. Right. So more than half of... Probably two-thirds of, yeah. the, of the cost of that came out of taxpayer yeah. funding. Uh, the other part of that is, as they say in the article, this is a technology that they're using is that is dying off, that they're not going to be using in the future. Yeah. So this doesn't even further the technology involved in no. carbon capture. It's just flat out, straight up yeah. corporate socialism. Yeah. Meanwhile, British Petroleum, Shell, ExxonMobil, Chevron, and Total spend a combined $200 million per year on lobbying. As lobbying alone, as designed to control, delay, or block any binding policy that addressed climate change. Right. In addition to that, they're putting out advertising, these feel-good commercials that we all see all the time, right. about how they're, boy, they're working around the clock to make sure that they can do everything to carbon capture and all the rest of this nonsense. They're yeah. not, because it costs them money. It hurts their bottom line yeah. to go out and look for new technology to undermine all the investments that they already have in oil exploration. You ever buy a burger at McDonald's? God, two decades ago, maybe? Yeah, it, yeah, it yeah. doesn't look like the burger in the advertisement. No, yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> I'm sure it doesn't. These five companies also spend $195 million annually on branding campaigns, like you say, yeah. to make them look like energy transition heroes, even as they drastically increase spending on fossil fuel extraction. They're lying to you. Yeah. $200 million in lobbying plus $195 million in greenwashing uh, to finance their greed. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Because that's what it is. They don't talk about your wildfires or flooding or drought or starvation or displacement or disease or war due to climate change. That's right. It's about their greed. 
They're not trying to back off on a technology that's destroying a habitable planet. This has been my beef for a long time, and we've talked about it a lot on the show. The problem is they've already invested several hundreds of billions of dollars in future oil exploration, buying the fields, putting together the technology and all that stuff that goes into extracting. It's a bad investment. It's out there already. It's a bad investment. So they're going to follow through no matter what you or I or anybody else says. They're going to pull that oil out of the ground. They don't give a damn what happens It's a horrible investment and we're paying for it. And we will pay for it. We're subsidizing them to kill ourselves. That's right. If it were not for the Republicans' steadfast support of the fossil fuel industry, we would be a lot further mm-hmm. towards energy independence. And I think I, I felt and, something hit me. Well, did you feel? Yeah, I, I, I thought yeah. somebody threw something at me. Well, it, you know what? Just hold the fort here. On the lighter side, Wisconsin was found to be the home of twelve of the twenty drunkest cities in the United States. <laughs> yeah. Ah, well, drunk from Science Magazine. A new membrane could unlock the potential of blue energy, a process that uses chemical differences from fresh and salt water to generate electricity. If researchers can scale up the postage stamp size membrane inexpensively, it could provide carbon-free power to millions of people in coastal nations where freshwater rivers meet the sea. Blue energy's promise stems from its scale. Rivers dump around 37,000 cubic kilometers of fresh water into the ocean salt water every year. This creates the potential to generate lots of electricity, 2.6 terawatts. According to one recent estimate, that's roughly the amount that can be generated by 2,000 nuclear power plants. That's a lot. A couple of small blue energy power plants have already been built, but their high cost is prohibitive. All blue energy approaches rely on the fact that salts are composed of ions, or chemicals that harbor a positive or negative charge. By pumping the positive ions, like sodium or potassium, to the other side of a semi-permeable membrane, researchers can create two pools of water, one with a positive charge and one with a negative charge. Essentially a giant battery. Yeah, and if they dunk electrodes into the pools and connect them with a wire, electrons will flow from the negatively charged to the positively charged side, generating electricity. Voila! And and this isn't sort of some sort of sci-fi fantasy. This is doable. Yeah. It's a matter of scale. In 2013, French researchers made a semi-permeable membrane, but it cost too much. Now, thanks to nanotechnology, the problem may be solved. See? The new membrane has produced four times more power per area than the previous French membrane. There you go. That power boost is because the nanomembranes openings are narrower and they do a better job of excluding negatively charged chloride ions. And researchers believe they can do much better than this, too. Yeah. They're just starting this out. Yeah. So let's outfit some blue energy dams with some nanotech membranes. Amen. Yeah. Brother, I mean, I'm thinking the Russian River, the San Gabriel River, the Los Angeles River. There are a lot of big rivers that flow into uh, into the ocean here yeah. in California. Big rivers. Maybe we can get a little filtering system going, too, to pull out some of the crap and plastic we're pushing into exactly. the ocean. L.A. County, are you listening? This is truly a wonderful technology that's here now. Almost here now. Well, yeah, it's on it. <laughs> okay. 
You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. Visit us at facebook.com slash KUCI 88.9. On our Tumblr blog at KUCIRadio.tumblr.com. On Twitter and Instagram at KUCIFM. Stream us live on TuneIn or go to KUCI.org. From Reason Magazine. Republicans and Democrats passed legislation to invest $738 billion more of your tax dollars into the forever war and the Space Force. (laughs) The bill passed the House 377 to 48. It lays out new policies regarding everything from blowing things up to establishing a Space Force within the Air Force to military personnel benefits to election matters, which I assume means cybersecurity. Right. Voting against the bill were just six Republicans and 41 Democrats. Hawaii's Tulsi Gabbard, California's Ro Khanna, and the Squad. The Squad. Yeah. And Michigan Representative Justin Amash. He's an independent. Yeah. The lone wolf. You know, I like like listening to him. Me too. I I appreciate he's articulate. He has a point of view I completely disagree with. But I think I could sit down. I think he'd be on this show with no problem at all. And we would have a conversation. I do agree with that. Not these jackasses that are backing Trump on this impeachment. Anyway, on the House floor, Connor pointed out that when Obama left office, the Pentagon budget was already $618 billion. The defense budget is $120 billion more than what Obama left us with, yeah. Connor yeah. pointed out. Mm-hmm. The bipartisan provision to stop the war in Yemen stripped by the White House. The Bipartisan amendment to stop the war in Iran, stripped by the White House. The bipartisan provision to repeal the 2002 authorization for the war in Iraq, which is sending our troops overseas, stripped by the White House. Right. These are not do-nothing Democrats. This is a White House that doesn't let anything pass, and a Senate especially. Right. That's where all the business and is. Do you remember the first time? Out. The first time that the House and I believe Senate overturned a presidential veto was over the U.S. support for the Saudis in the war against Yemen. This was one thing that united both parties because of the slaughter and the genocide that's taking place in Yemen. And this is what we we are now. He's getting what he wants, support for a a dictatorial regime in Saudi Arabia that's carrying out genocidal acts. Well, and you can't discount the fact that the Democrats think it's uh, great to uh, to extend the forever war forever because the bill expands paid parental leave for some uh, federal employees. And Trump and his Republican Yes Man Party, they like it because of Space Force. Yeah, Space Force. People are flushing toilets 10 times, 15 times, as opposed to once. If you're like our president and flushing your toilet 10 to 15 times... As opposed to once, please contact us at FlushTrump at WeeklySignals.com. We'll be glad to refer you to a certified plumber or gastroenterologist. That's FlushTrump at WeeklySignals.com. From the Casino.org blog. The world's online gambling authority since 1995. The latest Trump odds. Republicans have big problems going into an election year, which Trump and Republicans begin trailing badly. They just lost governorships in deep red Kentucky and Louisiana. 
Rumors of resignation are inevitable and almost plausible. Removal odds are shortening, but it's still a long shot. Bookmaker Patty Power offers four to one that Trump will survive a full term, or two to five, he will leave office early. So they're favoring him staying in, staying on. bookmakers okay. are. Yeah. The bookies remain confident he will secure the Republican nomination. <laughs> five to one are the best fixed odds. Odds are Trump will be gone in a year at the latest. This last bet represents a decent value. If you're putting money down on Trump, gone in a year. The Democrats are on course to regain the presidency, retain the House, and could even win the Senate. This period of uncertainty is the ideal time to look for cheap bets about alternative Republican candidates. Okay. Long shots Two for of the interest. Republican nomination. Yeah. Two of interest are Nikki Haley and Ben Sass. One to seven for Haley. One to 100 for Sass. So you get some uh, big payback there on Sass. Big you payback on Sass. Yeah. If Trump is out, Haley will start a hot favorite for any primary. Yeah, yeah she would. Given increased Democratic turnout trends and Democratic affiliation with younger voters, Trump would have needed to gain support since 2016 in order to win the Electoral College again. Never mind polls. Just think about that. Yeah. How many people do you meet who change their mind to vote for Trump? In other words, they didn't vote for him, and now they say, oh, now that he's in office, right. things are going really swell. And, he, and by the way, he lost the last election by over 3 million votes. And approval polls strongly suggest he's gone backwards since the 2016 long shot but, win. One quick thing in that regard. I, even though they're saying that Nikki Haley would do well and probably be the most electable Republican alternative, there would be so much anger and resentment against the Republican Party for Trump being forced from office. He resigns. Something yeah. happens. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. He eats too many uh, Big Macs. Next thing you yeah. know, Nikki Haley is running for office. Right. right now is a good time to put a bet on her because yeah. she's a big payback. Yeah. Are you down for that? Should oh, I yeah. talk I to my she, bookie about I it? I think she would win. Are you Repo in? I'm in. A hundred? A C-note. Meanwhile, with his Thanksgiving vacation, Trump has now cost taxpayers $115 million in travel and security expenses and spent two and one-half times as many days golfing in his three years in office as Obama spent in eight. From Roll Call magazine, Republicans must see voting rights as a partisan issue. Because how else would you explain what they do? Republicans believe the only way they can win is by putting as many obstacles to voting as possible. Despite Republican talking points about do-nothing Democrats, the Democratic House has passed 400 bills, only to see those bills die in the Senate under Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. You know that guy. I do know. Yeah. Last week, another proposed bill joined the list of bills stopped by McConnell. The Republicans won't even agree on what to call it. It's officially called the Voting Rights Advancement Act, but Republicans call it the Federal Control of Elections Act. <laughs> they want state rights now, suddenly. The bill would shore up sections of the Voting Rights Act of 1965 tossed out by the Supreme Court in its Shelby County versus Holder ruling in 2013. When the court got rid of provisions that required jurisdictions with a history of discrimination to pre-clear any charges in local laws, voting restrictions in states controlled by Republican legislatures and others were imposed all over the country. Right. States have enacted purges of voting rolls, often axing registered voters who had not voted in several cycles. 
States have put limits on acceptable IDs. Republicans claim it's in the name of election security that they're doing all these laws, despite the fact that voting fraud has been shown to be nearly non-existent. In fact, the most notorious recent example of election fraud was by a Republican operative in North Carolina. That's right. Republican operative. Massive fraud. Today's Republican Party believes the only way it can win is to put as many obstacles as it can to block minorities, the poor, the infirm, and the young. Dante Montavani. He's the head of Brazil's National Arts Foundation, who is appointed by Jair Bolsonaro. He said, Mm -hmm. Montavani said that rock music leads to abortion and Satanism. Montavani also claimed the Beatles wrote all their songs as part of a plan to destroy Western values. <laughs> I think Trump likes Bolsonaro, doesn't he? Yeah. He does. Yeah. He does. And this is uh, Bolsonaro's uh, head of the National Arts Foundation. However, Montavani said Metallica is okay to listen to when you're feeling a little bit tired. Metallica, <laughs> go to sleep. From The Guardian, Charles Koch. You heard of this guy? I have heard of him. Charles yeah, the, and David. The Koch brothers. He deserves as much credit as anyone for the climate crisis. He may be climate criminal number one. I believe so. Charles and his late brother David were second-generation extremists. Their father, Fred, was not only one of the founders of the John Birch Society, which accused President Dwight Eisenhower of being a tool of communists. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the supreme commander of the Allied forces, forces yeah. in World War General. II. General. Five-star general, I think one of the few in the history of America. Five-star general, president. A tool of the communists. He's a tool of the communists. Their father, Fred, also helped the Nazis construct the third largest oil refinery. (laughs) One of his sons in 1980, David, was the libertarian candidate for vice president. He called for the abolition of Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, the Department of Transportation, the Federal Aviation Administration, the Environmental Protection Agency, the Department of Energy, the Food and Drug Administration, and the Consumer Protection Safety Commission. He's a radical. Yeah. When Congress finally begins serious consideration of a carbon control, the Koch brothers finance fake think tanks, fake university research institutes, and fake industry trade associations to turn out trash science denying the climate crisis. The Koch spending on Washington lobbying exploded then from $2.19 million in 2006 to $5.1 million in 2007 to $20 million in 2008. We're talking like two years it went from $2 million to $20 million. And that's when you see the shift in the Republicans voting because the Republicans acknowledged climate change was caused by humans. Yeah. Until then. Until then. Americans for Prosperity. That's this sham organization that Cooks right. put together. A hugely and, influential political organization. Uh, it funded the Tea Party and eliminated from Congress just about every moderate Republican. In 2007, it spent $5.7 million, then $10.4 million in 2009, and $17.5 million in 2010. That year, the Citizen United Supreme Court ruling removed many restrictions on corporate cash, making it possible for the Kochs and their allies to buy out Republicans and purchase the climate position of Congress. After the House passed a comprehensive carbon control measure at the beginning of the Obama administration, the Kochs made sure it died in the Senate. 
So I'm putting Charles Koch as my climate criminal number one. I believe so. Yeah. I believe you're right. From Inverse, scientists will send a fleet of 50 mermaids out into the high seas to analyze and uncover some of the biggest secrets about the Earth's inner workings. Mermaids, Mike. Mermaids. Mermaids. We're not kidding about this. Think about it. These mermaids, also known as mobile earthquake recording in marine areas by independent divers. Wow. They had to work hard they on really that They really had to work on that, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. Mermaids, yeah. mermaids are floating sensors that act as seismometers. <laughs> A team working with the South Pacific Plume Imaging and Modeling Program announced plans to send 50 of them out into the ocean. They're hunting for the deep source of mantle plumes, which bring to the surface hot volcanic material from great depth. Ooh. What happens inside the Earth is all part of the plate tectonic cycle that gives us energy. Each mermaid is designed to both drift and dive down almost two miles. They come with a hydrophone capable of capturing seismic information, a unit that can digitize and process wavelength detection, a GPS for location navigation, and a satellite link to send all the data home. Yay! 50 mermaids out there helping us really map the ocean floor Yeah, in a, in a very significant way because we are still finding seismic fissures in the ocean floor that help us understand what's going to happen onshore. Exactly. Yeah. So we might want to move. We might want to move yeah. to Arizona or Nevada, given uh, that uh, the tectonic plates are shifting yeah. and pushing against one another. And hence, we have the Sierra Nevada mountains. That is where the plates meet. Yeah. And finally, the Chevrolet Suburban Sport Utility Vehicle. Uh-huh. Another overweight, overpriced, self-indulgent piece of crap was given a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. You can subscribe to the Weekly Signals Weekly Review Podcast at weeklysignals.com. Weeklysignals.com. Subscribe now.